This episode is brought to you by Philly Gemstones. Do you see the jewellery that's passed down as important as the pictures or the furniture? Most definitely. Jewellery is up there and it's a great honour and privilege to be able to wear it for these unbelievable occasions. And it tells the story of the family as much as anything. Yeah, you're carrying on that baton. You're just a custodian and it doesn't really belong to you. Welcome to If Jewels Could Talk. I'm Carol Walton, the voice of jewellery, an author, broadcaster, and the woman who initiated the role of jewellery editor at magazines like Tatler and British Vogue. This is a podcast for everyone, for people who do like jewellery, for people who don't realise they like jewellery, and anyone intrigued by fascinating facts, new ideas, and forgotten histories. So please join me as I tell sparkly tales, meeting all sorts of people, delving into four centuries of jewellery culture and investigate what's happening now. It's a few days before Christmas and I've come to Leicestershire in England to visit the historic Beaver Castle, the stately home of the Manners family, the Dukes and Duchesses of Rutland, since about 1067. They've lived on the site, although we'll find out later this is a Regency castle. Now, from the outside, there are about, you can see, maybe over 200 rooms, there are parapets and turrets. So one imagines the life of the Duchess to be all tiaras, butlers and diamonds. But we're going to go inside to meet Emma Rutland, who calls herself the Accidental Duchess. She's lived here for 35 years. She's had five children and she's been the driving force, bringing the castle and the estate into the 21st century as a commercial enterprise. She describes it like living above the shop. So we're going to find out the role that historic heirlooms and jewellery plays in the life of a modern duchess. So please come with me now. Let's go inside. So I'm with Emma Rutland, the Duchess of Rutland, of the Duchess podcast. The 11th Duchess of Rutland, a long lineage of duchesses. And we're here today in Beaver Castle. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for asking me. And I, I'm delighted to hear that your podcast is now the third most popular podcast in the UK on fashion, fashion. and beauty. And beauty. And it's very typical that for some reason jewellery gets pushed under fashion because I spend my whole career saying it's not just a fashion accessory, but we're pushed under fashion. And I do know from Violet, my daughter, mm. who... Um, really set this podcast up that I run called Duchess, um, that you have had a lustrous career in jewellery, correct? So it's always about jewellery for me, and I find the sort of depth and level of interest and cultural interest really much stronger for me than fashion. And I think maybe that's um, indicative that, you know, you probably wear the jewellery that has been passed down through other duchesses where you wouldn't wear their clothes. Well, that's very true, because hopefully Mm. they have a longer life shelf life, Mm. don't they? They do. We just did a little tour of the Long Gallery, looking at some of the duchesses in their incredible jewels, and saw Janetta, Duchess of Rutland, in the magnificent Rutland tiara. 
That is magnificent. Now, let's just have a look and you can tell me whether or not you think the tiara I wore on my wedding day was that, in fact, that tiara. So here's a picture looking absolutely fabulous. Um, uh, and can you see it very, can you see it roughly? It may have the same shape because I... Why did you want? Did you, you didn't... That was a Rutland tiara. That was a Rutland mm. tiara. Now, whether there are a few, they're all in a bank in the vaults yeah. in London. Mm-hmm. And uh, since that day, I haven't actually seen the tiara since. So they're very safely kept away. So you went to the bank and you chose one for your wedding day. Well, I my mother-in-law actually recommended that particular tiara mm-hmm. um, because she felt it was more adaptable and it could be... Uh, I think that could be the tiara that was it Diana wore as a stomacher. I'm not sure. But um, they did also have the ability to put them around their waists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes, or chests. Or chests. Yes. Wonderful. Um, or necklaces. Because the one that Jeanette... Which Duchess was she? She was the seventh Duchess. Seventh Duchess yeah. wearing... Jeanetta. I always felt rather sorry for Jeanetta, actually, because it was her predecessor who mm. was supposedly brought the looks into the Manners family, who was a very beautiful Irish lady called Catherine Marley. She died in childbirth, uh, but the child survived, and it was her only child. Um, who he became the eighth duke, and Janetta married the seventh duke, and then she went on to have about seven or eight children, none of which are ever heard of. And the results of that marriage are out there somewhere, but uh, it was um, only the oldest child of Catherine Marley that actually took on the title and the lineage. So she's a, she, she looks a wonderful woman, doesn't she? She that? looks a wonderful woman. It's incredibly grand. Very, very high tiara. It's gillyflowers and lily, emblematic of marriage. And she wore it in that portrait with a big diamond necklace, pendant cross and pearls. Very grand jewellery look. And I think it's higher than this one. Okay, so that was another of the tiaras. I think it's another tiara. Yeah. So I'm just so interested. So this is a very kind of royal story of being taken into the vault and say, which tiara would you like to choose? Yes, and, and I was so, you know, in awe of everything that I was marrying into that I can't remember a lot about it other than being very nervous and thinking, how am I going to get that fixed on my head on my wedding day and I'm sure I haven't got enough hair to put up behind it and so it was all very daunting and it was like going into a, a child going into a chocolate factory. And did you try them all on one by one? No I just looked at them and I thought I'm going to have to wear one of those and how will my veil go and where will they put it and all those very practical things because if you've never worn the tiara and they're quite heavy they need hair and so I had an amazing hairdresser who was at the time I can't remember his name but he was the expert at doing tiaras for grand weddings I went to see him and he had a hairpiece made for me in my own color mm-hmm. so he could do a sort of great huge sort of piece and bun at the back so it, so it gave it a bit off. of yeah and it gave it a bit it needs to sit on mm-hmm. hair mm-hmm. I mean I have to say when I see our princess of Wales in her tiaras her hair is just so beautifully done. She's got it? the best head of hair for a tiara, hasn't exactly. she? Exactly. Um, but your book, you, you 
titled that The Accidental Duchess. Yes. So was that part of your fear of choosing a tiara, that you had a very different upbringing and background? Yes, well, we, did, we didn't wear tiaras in Wales. Because you were on a farm. When you're farming and you're <laughs> lambing and doing all the practical things that you do on the farm. You don't sort of have... There's no space in your day for a tiara. So it was very different, but very exciting. But even now... You know, the excitement that those tiaras are sitting there in that vault, waiting one day to come out again when my daughters get married or for some grand occasion that may happen in the future, um, is a rather exciting feeling because it's a bit like, I don't know if you ever remember that wonderful movie, Mary Poppins, when the children go to the bank and ask um, for the penny. Is that the one? They have their penny that they've been... Saving. Saving, And they want to put it in the bank. Mm. And uh, it's a bit like that. If you've ever been to Coots Bank or to Horse, Mm. um, their vaults are very like that. And you go to the enormous great counters and people look over their specs at you and you think, I shouldn't really be here. (laughs) So you never wore what you didn't wear one to the state opening of Parliament? No, no, because... um, David made his maiden speech, but he, uh, his father died after they decided they were going to reduce the House of Lords. Oh, so he, so knew- he didn't actually ever sit in the House of Lords. And so that wasn't either part of... Yeah, so it's rather sad. It is rather sad. I think you should go and look at them and stroke them from time to time. <laughs> well, just- they most probably need looking after, don't they? They definitely need a clean by now. I I would imagine they are very dusty, Carol. (laughs) Very dusty indeed. And your daughters haven't worn them for... No, because they just haven't. No. Sounds rather ridiculous. Well, I suppose there aren't grand balls now that you sort of need to wear a tiara. No, I mean, occasionally we have... Well, we have events here where we're raising money for charities and the balls in, in that sense... We have the beaver hunt ball here in the castle occasionally. But they don't wear tiaras now to hunt balls, do yeah. they? It'd be rather nice if they did, really. I know. And um, there are plenty to go round. So. <laughs> Actually, there is one thing I will definitely love to take the tiara with me to, and that is I've set up a charitable foundation for beaver, mm-hmm. which is launching its first American Friends of Beaver Castle in Palm Beach in 2024. And we're going to do an enormous ball in the Breakers Hotel. Have you been to Palm Beach, Carol? I have, but I, I can't. Breakers Hotels is like a palace, and mm. it's right on the front there. And they have these fabulous Venetian rooms that sort of you can host about 350 people to 400. And so I'd love to take the tiara and do that job properly. You should. You definitely, because you've got to look like a duchess. Yes. I mean, do people when they... Very good question, that is. Sorry to... <laughs> because actually on my podcast, I've had loads of people saying, she want, she needs to look more like a duchess. Yes. You know, we want to have her in her jewels and, you know, not in... And that is, you know, you have to have an illusion of what people expect. You do, because I was actually going to ask you, when people are wandering around Beaver Castle... And you're just in your jeans or your boots and running around and doing what you're doing. Do you think they get a bit disappointed if somebody said, there's the Duchess? Yeah, most probably they do. But the reality (laughs) is, you are, um, as my team know, it's very flat structured here. And everyone 
is important in my team. And so, yeah, we'd have to make an effort to put the tiara on or go and put the ball dress on. And the reality of running private heritage is it's very hands-on. Very hard work. Yeah, but good fun. Is it what you expected when you married? I don't know if I ever gave it too much thought. When you fall in love with someone, you don't think, what do I expect? And what does the future hold? No, you kind of no. on a... So at that moment, I was just two in awe with the whole idea of getting married and the excitement of starting a life together. So, and we were not living in this building for the first eight, nine years of our marriage. And so um, I set up a garden and conservatory furniture business. And so it was a way, way away from Beaver and the Castle. And when my father-in-law died in 1999, I think it was then that I thought, right, we've got to sort this out now. Mm. Because it is immense hard work that these sort of places are classically like the Fourth Road Bridge, that to keep the roof on, to get the farm working, to make everything pay its way is immense hard work. Yes, and that my roots have given me those wonderful Mm. foundations to be very practical and Mm -hmm. down-to-earth about it. And you've started a lot of businesses. Yes, we've got, I think we've got about 14 business centres here, which I have to say, many of them most probably should be analysed. A business manager would come in and say, why are you doing that? It's making no money. But one of them is called My Duchess's Gallery. And I have lovely jewellery, but it's not real, mm. but it's great takes on... Heirloom pieces. Yes, it really is. And, and that jewellery... I love sourcing that at all the shows and local suppliers. And as well as the tiaras, was there heritage heirloom pieces that came down through the family that you also inherited? So when we got engaged, there there was no engagement ring. And so David said to me, we'll have to go and find one. So we went to Gray's Antique mm-hmm, Market. Mm-hmm. Very and, good place to go and look. Yes. And uh, we found a really lovely sapphire and diamond ring. And it had five gems. And I remember him saying to me, I will love you always. And each gem stood for one of the words. And of course, although we've had the sadness of the marriage not surviving in the conventional way, we still do adore each other. And Mm -hmm. so that will stand forever. That's so nice. So each stone began with a letter. I will love you always. Always, The five stones, yeah. And, um, yes, I've got that ring. I often wonder about whether or not I set the stones in all my children, um, Mm -hmm. in a piece of jewellery for all my children. And I'm also quite superstitious about Mm jewellery. And I believe that sometimes energy is carried in jewellery. That's probably an unusual thing to say. So I always have it cleared. Do you? Yes. By who? Someone that does clearing. Like a Reiki healer or somebody yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. I'm a Reiki healer. So. Oh, you are a Reiki yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you could actually clear it yourself. I could do, but I always get a professional in mm-hmm. and clear mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've, I have, I think um, energy can attach itself to jewellery. And I think um, you want to be clear of that to create your own energy. I think you're completely right, because also stones and crystals, that's why people use them, is for that energy. So you want to make sure it's positive. Yes, exactly. I had a beautiful pearl necklace that was given to me um, by the family, or gifted to me for my tenure, if you like, here, and had an enormous diamond in the middle. And, you know, 
I'm quite rough with my jewellery. Mm. Another thing is how you wear jewellery. And I love jewellery that I can wear all the time. Because I'm so dyslexic, I'm very forgetful. So I'll forget where I put it and I might have lost an earring. Or So the pearl necklace with this great big mm. diamond, I thought, you're never going to wear this, Em, because then you'll break it, definitely. You'll rip it somehow and you'll break it. So I had it made into a choker. Mm-hmm. And that does come out when I go and do lecture tours or talk to people about being a 21st century duchess or whatever I'm doing uh, with a, a book or another. And it does come out, and I take it with me abroad a lot. Mm. And so the big diamond's in the centre. Yes. Mm. It's very flattering. Yeah, it was beautiful. It really is a beautiful diamond. And I noticed in a lot of the portraits in your various galleries, a lot of the duchesses are primarily wearing pearls. Interesting, Yes, and I thought that must be a Rutland thing. And the other thing that was a tragic bit of our story, really, with jewellery, with my dear mother-in-law, was travelling when she was quite young, I think, to London to take all the jewels, I think, to be valued in a suitcase and put the suitcase up on a rack in a train and the whole lot was stolen. And they never traced where it went. So a lot of the jewels were very sadly lost. And, and there's an amazing brooch that I think Kaku is wearing who was um, David's granny, who's a tenant. And she's got a fabulous brooch on the dress that she's wearing. And that was one of them. I think it was Amethyst. Um, but you'll you'll have a look at it and most probably think it's something else. But it, it, it was rather sad, that was. And my father-in-law would always remind her about this. And the poor thing. She this. must have felt terrible. Oh, nightmare. Did she fall asleep? or didn't I have it? no idea. But I, I, didn't, I just remember hearing the story about the jewels and how they were stolen from a train. So that And nothing was... insured properly. I expect they were yeah, yeah. Maybe going to London to be insured or something. But there was in um, a book by um, Ursula Darbo a quote about saving the tiara and taking it from London to to come to Beaver to keep it safe during the war. Yes. So Ursula was a great dear, dear friend of mine. So when Mm -hmm. I arrived here, Lady Ursula was my father-in-law's older sister. Right. And she was a bit of the sort of Pippa Middleton of um, um, Prince and Princess of Wales getting married. You know how everyone was talking about Pippa. Mm Mm-hmm. And so Ursula oh, at the day, bottom, they were yeah. talking about more than anything, walking up the yeah. aisle. So Ursula was the it girl of um, the a coronation. Sort of it girl. Bit of an it girl. Yeah, she had this unbelievable widow's peak. And I think the book that you mention mm-hmm. is called The Girl with the Widow's Peak. It is. And she actually has a fabulous tiara on, family tiara on, for that coronation. But it was Ursula who also said to me, I love this story. She said, darling, if you'd met her, you'd know exactly. Oh, darling girl, we must go and look in the archives. I said, well, why, Ursie? She said, because the rubies. I said, well, what rubies? Well, don't you know the story about the rubies? And, of course, you pick up all these stories. They had 
been hidden, apparently, five enormous rubies that to this day we've never found in our archives. And if you went into our archives, they're so piled high, you'd never find them, you know, unless uh, you're going to have a complete spring clean. But there's so many layers of paperwork and so forth. But yes, apparently there are um, five rubies that have been hidden for a, for a, a rainy day. And who hid them? We think it could have been her father, the Ninth Duke. And if you've ever read a book by Catherine Bailey, it's called The Secret Rooms. So have a look at that. And those rubies, apparently, the Ninth Duke had a mistress who... Now, I don't necessarily believe in this story, because I think Catherine sort of over-glamatised the whole thing. But part of the story is how the mistress used to climb in through a window on a top floor to get into the archives. So where the Duke was spending a lot of his time cataloguing all the paperwork. And hid these rubies. Uh, apparently, according to Aunt Ursie. Aunt Ursie, because, you know... No wonder she wanted to get into the archives. She kept wanting to... You should go on a ruby hunt. There should be a ruby hunt. Yeah, definitely. We need the metal... We need the ruby detector, don't we? <laughs> yeah, but jewellery for me... Carol, mm. is... You've got a lot. You've got way more on than me. If I'm going to have Bit it, it's going to be on all the time. <laughs> and I, So this, this that ring there, which is filthy... So that's not your engagement ring? No, that's not my engagement ring. But that ring is... Um, I'm always looking for a bargain. So this guy makes jewellery in the north end of London. Uh-huh. It's in the jewellery quarter mm-hmm. in London. And he copies various designs. So that's so a, it's a that, lovely that's a, diamond in the centre. That's a lovely diamond in the centre. With concentric circles going yes. round like yes. a sort of starburst. It's yes. lovely. Absolutely. And then I don't know what that stone is. That looks like a yellow diamond to me. Okay. I don't think it's a citrine, is it? Or no, a sapphire. A yellow... It could be a yellow sapphire. A yellow sapphire. Because that's quite big. Yeah. So um, my partner, Phil, gave me that. And then the other things that I wear all the time to get my specs on, that's like an old charm bracelet a bit, isn't it? Without any charms on. Yes, they're sort of engraved as well, aren't they? All the or girls textured. engraved. Yes. With I don't know why I like it. It's going round. It's very good and chains. It chains but it's quite tough trendy. and so it's not... Is it? Mm, very trendy at the moment. So I can have a few You're things right hanging off that. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I love this one. So that is... Oh, we have a wonderful man called Clive, Mm -hmm. who's our rabbit man, Mm -hmm. and we go ferreting with. Mm -hmm. And Clive's been teaching us all to ferret for years and years. Have you ever been ferreting? No, no, I haven't. It's divine. So you send the ferrets down, and they bring out the rabbits, and then the rabbits bolt, and then knock them on the head. I'm a country girl, so Mm. rabbits are Mm. vermin to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, So Clive is a character. I'd love you to interview him for a podcast. <laughs> and and actually, um, he gave me, he was he fell in love with someone. And anyway, this poor dear girl passed away. So he gave me all the jewellery he'd bought for her over his life. And is it gold? I can't That's see. Gold it's gold and white gold and... Sort of all mixed together. So it's quite an undefinable colour. And it's just a very simple bangle with two round balls on the top very very simple yeah and it just reminds me of Clive yeah and how much he brought to my children and how grounding mm-hmm. he was in mm-hmm. their upbringing and every so Sunday lunch lots of memories in lots there. of memories that's for me what mm. and then this 
I most probably should have a far grander one, but I just rather mm. liked it. I don't know if they're diamonds. Or, but that's a designer from London. Uh-huh. So a sort of serpent's head and a round button, like with little glittery surfaces. And so they're again, not very diamond. simple. I don't know. They probably are. Where did you buy it? I was given it. You were given it. I'm sure they are diamonds. We won't do down the gifty. No. I'm sure they bought you diamonds. I hope so. <laughs> uh, and then this, again, uh, because the other thing about jewellery, because I'm scatty, is I'll always lose something. Mm-hmm. So if I've got earrings on, I'll lose one. So I always get left with loads of jewellery that's a muddle because you haven't got sets. So I have the whole lot melted down and made into this bangle and then sort of all a diamond and all my children's names and all their dates of That's birth. That's so nice. And, and it's very worn. It feels worn. Which it's with me lovely. all the time. Yes. Yeah. And you don't take it off? No, I don't take anything ever off. And the only other thing that I have is this I wear all the time because I'm very spiritual. I believe in mm-hmm. the circle of life. Mm-hmm. And so I love a circle. Mm-hmm. I believe that you come in and you go. And this is a diamond say. circle it's on a, a gold chain. Exactly. And so that, and I also douse with that, Carol. Mm-hmm. So I douse. So you find, you use it to find the rubies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good one. That's a very good one. And I've no idea what these are, but because I had, um, I was having my hair done in London and the hairdresser was a bit over. And he pulled the earring out of, and it ripped the <gasps> lobe. You're joking. No. You're piercing. So yeah. your piercing was So ripped. I tried to re-pierce it, but yes. I had to have internal stitching in this ear, which is so annoying. I've got so many earrings. That is annoying. I can never wear. So I've only got a few nag. So that is what? That looks like a Marbe pearl. So it's rather sort of misshapen and a different shape. So not quite Baroque. It's a really interesting shape. It's lovely. So I bought those in America because they're very yeah. good at doing clip earrings They in look the like sort of semen sheps or something like okay. that. Yeah. Perfect. Well, and that is me. So that stays on unless you're doing a sort of talk or something, then the choker comes out. Yes. I saw a recent interview on the BBC. You had a stonking great sapphire high on your shoulder. Yes. What was that? Yes. Was it an amethyst? Was it purple? Oh, maybe it was amethyst. I yeah. thought it looked so blue. So the stone's just fallen out of the frame. It's Victorian. Mm-hmm. But I... I love, I've got a great antique shop in Grantham Mm -hmm. and he knows what I love and so he finds things occasionally and Mm -hmm. I love the colour purple. So it was an amethyst, not a... It was an amethyst. Mm. And the most exciting piece, again, that's in a vault, uh, not in London, so I can get access to it more than the tiara, but I can access it, is the family peacock that was given to me when I got married by my Mm in-laws, which is a fabulous piece from about the 30s mm-hmm. the huge great pearl here and all the colors of the peacock wings with j- real gems it's a real knockout a brooch how amazing yeah there's the brooch ah we will show it on instagram when we talk about it fabulous so it's not in the shape of a peacock but it's just peacock colors oh yes it is a it real is peacock. in the shape it is sorry i couldn't see Mm. So that one you have more access to. Yes. Quite frustrating, these things that aren't <laughs> around that you can't get your mitts on. Oh, but if you... 
I, it doesn't prostrate me in the no. slightest. No, it really doesn't. Because you're I, too busy to dress up. Um, yeah, most probably. I mean, if, yeah, yeah, no, mm. I'm, no. I, I always feel a bit nervous about too, too many jobs. It's such a responsibility. It is a responsibility. So there are other jewelry pieces in in the archive that are locked away. Well, this particular brooch mm. and the stomachers and big diamond stomachers. Mm. Yeah. And I think Diana used to talk about them in some of her books. Diana Manners. Yeah. Diana Cooper. Yes. Who was the, she really was an it girl of her moment in the 1920s and <clears throat> 30s, an actress, wasn't she? Absolutely, yeah. And so I think um, she was very into, and, and Violet, her mother, who was one of the souls, mm-hmm. she was very good at wearing jewellery. For example, she would have wonderful hair, always done up elegantly and she'd drape pearls around her hair in um in sort of swags how pretty beautiful so violet was a really exotic with how she and she'd often have the pearls as a choker and tied as a knot at the back and running down her back and so diana inherited some of this stylishness yeah yeah they were all very theatrical and Mm. very glamorous the times i read called diana the vital spirit of a vanished age, which I thought... It's wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. And I noticed she wore the big Rutland tiara, very low down, sort of flapper style, sort of almost covering her forehead. Oh, wonderful. I haven't seen that picture. Mm. So I suppose, mm. you know, people style them in ways that suit their age. And the fashion of the day. Mm. Exactly. Mm. But that must have been very magnificent, having pearls entwined in the hair. Yes, and I think... Uh, because she had very much her own style. She was most probably a trendsetter of her day, Violet, and she was creating styles that others followed. The aristocrats were, weren't they, really, at that time? They were the trendsetters. Yeah. And people aspired to be like that. Yes. Whereas that's all changed, most probably, now. That's changed definitely now, hasn't it? It's the same. I don't know who are the tre- trendsetters now, Carol. Oh, Rihanna. Yes. The Kardashians. Definitely. Nobody who lives in a stately home. No. Women have had, you know, varying roles in history, haven't they, mm. in heritage? Mm. And that's why when I interview these ladies on the mm. podcast, it's mm. fascinating to hear the role of women through history. Mm-hmm. I mean, my absolute icon who's with me all the time here is the fifth Duchess, Elizabeth. And uh, I don't know if she wore much jewellery. I haven't really got many paintings. Pictures of her and Julia. Why is she your icon? Because she built this castle as mm-hmm. it is, and then mm-hmm. and then sadly, sadly died um, quite young after having eleven children, of which seven survived. So when was it built? In eighteen. It was completed mm-hmm. in eighteen twenty-five, mm-hmm. but there was a terrible fire in eighteen sixteen, and she was staying at the time with her husband at Cheveley, where we had another stately home. Imagine then having this message that your home had burnt, but don't worry, all the children had survived. And so then what did she do after Well, she fire? came back and sent her husband back to find out what had been burnt and what had been destroyed. And then they had to start again on a lot of the castle because half of it had been destroyed. And then it took her until she died in 1825 at 45, the rest of her life just finishing this marathon of the building and then didn't get to enjoy it no that's quite sad isn't yes, it very. but maybe she felt some um 
satisfaction along the way. Oh, I think she was mm. deeply proud of it, and it was so cutting edge at the time. You know, it was ahead of. It's the as John Martin Robinson, who helped me with my first book, explained to me and sort of, but but really sort of painted the picture of how Beaver is one of those absolutely intact Regency buildings in the mm-hmm. country mm-hmm. because the family have never had enough money to change it. So mm-hmm. it wasn't sort of bastardised during the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's been very much... it's Protected. Protected by... And maybe protected by accident, but it's been yeah. to, to the good that it was protected. Yeah, I, think, I hope so. And, of course, having people like Violet, the Eighth Duchess, during that time... And Queen Victoria came here a lot and they were very into art and sculpturing and painting each other. At, the, at that stage, she was so in tune with the buildings, she wasn't going to go and do huge changes. Mm. So when you talk on the Duchess podcast to the other chatelains of big stately homes and houses around the country, do you feel they all have the same attitude to you that it's a day job, we get on with it, we're busy... And then if we go to something grand, we'll put some pearls on. Or do you, do you think they have a different attitude to the jewellery they inherit? I would say 99% are just like that. And then mm-hmm. you'll have 1% that is truly like that, but incredibly glamorous. And that would most definitely be Lady Derby at Nosley Hall. Mm-hmm. And everywhere Lady Derby goes, she looks immaculate. Mm, she does. And her jewellery looks immaculate to go with every outfit. So, yeah, we, as a group of women, I think most probably in the 21st century, the most important thing is that we're practical about running private heritage and understanding that you're running a very, very complicated business. Mm. And it's complicated mainly because you're living over the shop. So it's juggling that whole journey of also making it a home. Mm. And then keeping it as something for the public to enjoy. Yeah, of course. uh, Fundamental. I mean, right now we've got Cinderella at the castle and a fabulous carriage in our um, picture gallery just Mm -hmm. below all the portraits with all the family jewels. And the other wonderful portrait, which I don't know if you've looked at, not a member of the family, but um, you never know. They say school of Holbein, but of Henry VIII. And, of course, fascinating to me how jewellery and everything that he wore is, and how he dressed. And Very magnificent. Symbol of his power and everything mm. had a reason. Even the Garth, the Garter Star and... What did they do? What about they do? Abdullah is talking, who works here with the Duchess, and I tell you, Abdullah, we are about to do um, a podcast on men and pearls because oh, wow. a couple of issues ago we did Timothy Chalamet on the cover yeah. of British Vogue and pearls, mm. and I said recently at a talk I gave that actually at Vogue parties now the men way outshine the women in what they're wearing, their frocks, their jewels. And I said, women have got to up their game a bit. They're going to be taken over. Yeah, slowly coming together. Yeah, with red carpet appearances and celebrities, I think they're trying to blur the boundaries between just how far we can push men's fashion. Yes. So I think you're hedging back to Henry VIII's days. Don't you worry. But certainly. And of course, it was all about showing who you were. 
Without all that, people didn't know who you were. So I guess without your tiara on, you can rush around and people won't know you're the Duchess. But No, and certainly when we have the filming of The Crown here, it's mm-hmm. lovely to be anonymous. And so not only run around in my jeans, but also mm. my mob hat and my duster. So which series did you have? We had the first three series. First three. Mm -hmm. And they were filmed in the um, Elizabeth Saloon, because it's meant to be a replica of Windsor Castle. Right. Mm. So when you use this for dousing, what are you dousing your diamond circle? Okay, so what's your full name, Carol? It's Mary Carol Grace. What a wonderful name. (laughs) Which confuses everybody, because I'm called Okay. Carol. Well, my real name's Rachel. Okay, so my name is Rebecca Rutland. My name is Rebecca Rutland. So now it's going round in a circle, because that says it's a lie. That's a lie. So that's going anti-clockwise. Anti-clockwise, really quite fiercely. A very wide circle. Shaking, doesn't like that. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Stop, 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 stop. So my name is Emma Rutland. My name is Emma Rutland. And I haven't touched it, have I, Carol? No, you haven't moved that arm. My hand's not moving. Your hand's not moving. The arm is firmly on the table. And now it's going... Emma Rutland. The opposite way. And that's my yes. Swinging around. Okay, so that's my yes, my no. Okay. So do you want to ask it a question yes. that only you know the answer to? Oh, okay, because I was going to ask it if there were rubies <laughs> hidden in the archive. <laughs> okay, well, why don't you? Okay. I mean, don't, neither of us know if, the, if there's an answer to that one. Are there rubies hidden in the archive? So are there rubies hidden in our archives at Beaver Castle? <gasps> There says are. yes. There are. <laughs> oh my goodness me. Well, oh, don't tell the world <laughs> because we'll have invasions of thieves. <laughs> goodness me. That, that says very clear That's amazing. Yes. So now this is your power through this circle. Well, when you douse, you're tuning into an unspoken energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. And so you ask it questions every so if, often. If you're allowed to, you generally should ask permission mm-hmm. before asking the question. Is it okay to ask this question, yes or no? Uh-huh. So you never need to lose anything, in fact. <laughs> well, when I lose my mobile in the castle, it often doesn't find it for me. So <laughs> it doesn't always get it right. It didn't get the football right the other oh, day. Oh, it didn't? No. no. Well, so it went some... for France. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't always get it right, so it's a bit of fun. And so now, with so many glamorous daughters, they will inherit your jewellery? Are they interested in borrowing your jewellery? Or do they have very different styles to you? Well, they're all different about jewellery. I think Vi is very practical with her jewellery. So she Mm. likes a few nice pieces. She's into gold now, not silver. They went through sort of silver and... Yeah, I definitely. They've all got a bracelet that I've had made for them, like this, with all their siblings and a diamond between each one. So everyone wears one of those. I would say Vi likes quite strong designs. Mm-hmm. She, she she can carry quite strong. Well, they're all very designs. tall and slender, yeah, aren't yeah. they? And so then Alice, again, definitely 
has got a bit of the touch of the, the pearly queen, a bit like mum. Every ring, every finger has a ring. And I adore that look. And I bought her a fabulous ring that she wears all the time. There's a tiger's eye. And that's sort of protective, mm-hmm. ring of protection. And so she, but she only likes rings. She doesn't do bangles and she doesn't do necklaces. Mm-hmm. The one who absolutely adores jewellery is Eliza. Mm-hmm. And she just adores it. I think she adores rubies. So who knows? Those rubies might end up. <laughs> being found by Eliza she That's, does adore rubies yeah. that could be her Christmas mission yeah. and my mum also is a pearly queen and mm-hmm. so she adores loads of jewellery lots of great um, costume jewellery and she's very elegant and quite Roman features strong and um, it really suits her so it's easy for you to buy for them because you know their definitive style. Yes, and they've got tiny wrists, my girls. And so mm-hmm. I've got great big sledgehammer hands, mm-hmm. but they are very delicate. And so you're always looking for something completely different to what I would wear. Mm-hmm. And do they ever ask to go and look in the archive? Oh, oh yes, they do. They, they go do. to the archive. Not they look do. for the rubies, though. No. no. They love going because that's where their dad is and he's uh, he's cataloguing all the archives with an archivist and so mm-hmm. yeah, they, they all love the archives they love looking through that yeah and so with your fellow chatelains of these houses which are so important to our heritage do you see the jewelry that's passed down as important as the pictures or the furniture most definitely i think the jewelry is up there and it's a great honour and privilege to be able to wear it for these unbelievable occasions. And it tells the story of the family as much as anything. Yeah, you're carrying on that baton. And Mm. I think that really is what private heritage and jewellery and paintings, you're just a custodian and that doesn't really belong to you. So it might possibly come out next year in the coronation for real, maybe. It may Maybe. We'll wait and see if the invitation arrives. (laughs) Who knows? But no, it's a great honour. And it's been wonderful talking to you, Carol, about our jewels here at Viva. And Christmas Day, what will you wear? Anything special on Christmas Day? Oh, Christmas Day, yes. I love black velvet, actually, which is funny enough what Jeanette is wearing. Mm -hmm. And I've got a, a new black velvet dress that is coming out for every event at the moment. So I'll wear that. Mm-hmm. And I've got a rather lovely big fat choker pearl. Pearl again. Mm-hmm. And I'll wear that. And it's got a tie at the back with long black strakes. And I sort of tie that. And the tie hangs down my neck. A la violet. A la violet. So that's what I'll be wearing on Christmas Day. Well, it sounds fantastic. And thank you so much for sharing that with us and for joining us on If Jewels Could Talk. Thank you, Carol. It's been wonderful talking to you. We should do a jewellery exhibition here, Carol. Definitely. Thank you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes of If Jewels Could Talk, please go to our website, carolwilton.com slash podcasts. There's nothing we like more than reviews. It's really important to us on If Jewels Could Talk. So please leave us a review. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you can on all the usual platforms where you find your podcasts. 
and leave us a comment and a rating. We would love that. I want to give special thanks to my producer, Natasha Cowan, editor, Tim Thornton, and our sponsors, Fooley Gemstones. To find out more about them, it's fooleygemstones.com. And I want to take the opportunity to thank you all for listening for the last year over the various episodes we've had for people in the UK to help us get to number three, which is incredible, on the Apple charts under fashion and beauty, as well as to all our listeners in the US, Canada and around the world. Please keep leaving us messages. Send me ideas of what you want to hear about. I love getting those. Someone recently suggested more on Scaparelli. Someone else suggested the Olaf Diamond. So hopefully we'll be doing those um, next year. Join us again after the holiday break. We'll be talking about sustainability and materials for fashion and jewellery. I'll be speaking to Dana Thomas, European Sustainability Editor of British Vogue, host of the podcast The Green Dream, and writer of Salvatore, Shoemaker of Dreams, the new Luca Guadagnino film. And we'll be joined by Maria Sole Ferragamo, his granddaughter, who makes jewellery from offcuts of leather and brass shavings. So please join me then in the new year. And in the meantime, I wish you and your families a very happy festive season. And thank you again for listening. Goodbye. If Jules Could Talk with Carol Walton is produced by Natasha Cowan, music and editing by Tim Thornton, graphics by Scott Bentley, illustration by Geordie Labanda, and you can find me on Instagram at Carol Walton. <laughs>